Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups. And my special guest today is Stuart Leo. Stuart, thanks for joining us on Rising Tide. My absolute pleasure, Kevin. Thank you for having me. Stuart has already been gracious. Uh, I was late to the get to the dance and he he held a spot on his dance card for me to uh, to get this interview in. And I really appreciate that, Stuart. But tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Like if if you and I were meeting at a networking event, how would you introduce yourself? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm obviously Australian. Uh, g'day. Uh, you, you've probably heard that in the accent already. <laughs> um, I herald from a place in Australia uh, called the Gold Coast, which is um, mm. kind of like uh, the culture, or the the climate of Miami with the culture. Sorry, the culture of Miami with the climate of California. Um, so we're all the best. All the best. Um, uh, so we beautiful place. Forty two kilometers of beach. There's um, backdrop with uh, tro tropical rainforest uh, mountains, and um, just a beautiful place. City of about three quarters of a million people stretching across that that coastline. And um, I've, I've lived here for about 20 years, but um, I've worked in lots of different things. Um, but the work I do today is leading a startup uh, called Waymaker.io. And we simply help people build better business. And we do that through our, um, our platform, Waymaker.io, which diagnoses a business, develops growth opportunities and insights through our intelligent diagnostic and allows you to translate that into strategic goals and plans uh, for teams and leaders to manage and execute. And then we use some smart analytics to figure out if you're on track, not on track, and mm. help you on track. And uh, and so we we uh, we train other coaches and consultants um, to use the software with with their clients, and we support businesses. Um, really, with that one single problem of 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 hit a ceiling and how do I break through the next ceiling and so our, our vision is to help others build better business. And if we can help others build better businesses, then we're going to build better businesses all around the world. And I, I happen to believe that um, whether it be a business that's for profit or not for profit, um, any organization, that uh, they're really important to our society. And uh, if we can build good organizations, we can build good communities and create great jobs, do really interesting things. And um, that's a better hope and a better future for all. See, I've got this theory. I think I've, I've mentioned it before on the pod, but my theory is it, this whole idea of entrepreneurship kind of stems back from like the religious persecution that was happening in England about 400 years ago. And so the Puritans stayed in England and tried to purify the church and the separatists decided, hey, we, we can't fix this. So we got to go somewhere else. And I think the separatists, they ended up, they went to the Netherlands, they went, you know, parts in Europe, but a lot of them went to the States and Canada yeah. and other places. And, and eventually, the, you know, the next round, I mean, kind of ended up in Australia as well. So this whole idea of this, you know, picking, your up by, picking yourself up by your bootstraps and, and this kind of, I have to do it on my own. I think it feeds into this whole entrepreneurial mindset that is so rampant, not only in the <laughs> States, but also I've seen you know, so rabid in Australia. And it's, it's such a unique culture. 
you know, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, actually. Um, uh, I think it was Winston Churchill that said, um, we, we first get to define our architecture and then our architecture gets to define us. And he, what he was really saying was, um, we get to define our places, but then our places begin to define yeah, us. for sure. Um, and uh, you're exactly right. And I'm, I'm thinking back to my, my ancestors. I, I come from one side of the family, um, a Dutch line, and the other side of the family, an Irish Catholic line. Um, and, you know, my, my opa, my Dutch grandfather, mm -hmm. um, he was taken uh, in, in World War II. And, and what saved his life was he was a carpenter. So he ended up in a labor camp, not a concentration camp, but he ultimately escaped. And post-World War II, um, he was part of that great migration out of Europe. Yeah. And, um, you know, imagine the mindset. You're looking around. He heralds from a place called Alkmaar, just uh, um, near Amsterdam, mm -hmm. but, but obviously suffered greatly through World War II. And so he picked up his family, um, uh, decided there's got to be a better hope and a future, and, and took what, what, what was then a 10 pound um, incentive um, for people to migrate from Europe down under to Australia. And, and my mother was um, just two or three at the time. She was just a little toddler. And, and they took that nine month journey and, and came to a, effectively a refugee barracks camp south wow. of Brisbane. Um, he, he started building houses in this growing community. And, and I look back on, um, on those challenges and um and i think my goodness um i hop in my eight-speed automatic truck with air conditioning and plug in my iphone to listen to a podcast or any music exactly. anywhere in the world and i try exactly. to work and i think i've got a tough no. um some yeah. of our forefathers looked around and went um the world is in chaos and i need to make a living um yeah. why who for uh, and you know they're staring into the eyes of their children going what life can I give you? And, and they, they, they pick themselves up. And, and that mindset and that character, I, I think, um, inspires me. It, it, um, you know, they were never perfect people. They did lots of dumb things and rough yep. things and stupid things. But when I, when I look at some of the challenges I face, um, you know, we were talking about podcast mics, you know, um, <laughs> before the show, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got to go and buy a podcast mic. I mean, flip, like, my, my just two generations away, my mother's father um, was was dealing with challenges that we can only imagine. And my mother grew up in a in a non English speaking household that is in a brand new world and and had to figure out how to live. You know, it's um we we don't understand um, the simplicity of life we have, and and I think business plays a role in protecting that, in nurturing that strengthening that so i'm sure. i'm kind of deeply passionate about that do yeah. we're not even talking about anything to do with See, what i thought we'd talk I, about. I, I think i uncorked yeah. the bottle here I, think, <laughs> I bet on every podcast interview you've ever done that you've never had that kind of conversation after this point no, so no i could i could. certainly <laughs> strayed from the norm that no doubt about it but exactly hey, I, that's kind of what i like to do i mean i you know i, I have very little things scripted here so it's a it's kind of free flowing. And I, I really just like to kind of drill down into the story behind the entrepreneur and the, behind the startup founder. But I'm, I'm really curious to hear just the transition story, like what led to stepping into or creating or starting Waymaker? Yeah, yeah, great question. Before Waymaker existed, I was a consultant um, running a consulting business for about 10 years. And, and before that, I was in the business of um, urban development. 
um, large scale master plan communities. So I had about 10 plus odd years in corporate life and and I decided that I wanted to jump ship and go and, um, you know, do something for myself. Um, the entrepreneurial mindset, yeah. in, which I'd, I'd always had since being, being a kid. My first job was my own job that I created um, uh, out of university. And the first thing I ever did as a kid making money was something I created. You know, it was, it was always kind of in there in the DNA. Uh, I guess, I, I guess when you think back over life and the stories we were just talking about, you can see why. But one of the things that, um, there's really two big things that I'll touch on um, for how Waymaker was born. When I left corporate life, I came across this story um, about how the British Army had reinvented itself in the battlefield in the late 80s and 90s and, um, and institutionalised that in the 2000s. And, and corporate life, if you've worked corporate gigs, um, corporates are great at crushing the soul um they become bureaucratic you know not all i have some of my best i have heard time. that before <laughs> yeah i mean it's easy to poke fun at corporates and yeah. and i had some of my best and my worst times in, in corporate life um so um, this is not always 100 of the time but but um corporates can fall into that bureaucracy mindset and you know i remember going through months of committees and subcommittees to get one small thing changed, which would have, you know, by the time it's changed, almost zero impact on, on life at the time. And decision-making was difficult. And, um, and, and I came across this story about the British military where um, as they were coming in the late 80s and 90s, when they were coming out of what we'd call the traditional Cold War, um, an enemy that was a, an enemy of state, um, a traditional enemy, um, enemy that had uniforms and you know traditional guns and that they sort of knew what would happen if you did something but but the cold war was ending the berlin war was came down in what 1990 91 uh, the ussr was dissolving back into its its um different states and and geopolitical movements were happening and, and the, as the cold war was winding down a hot war was winding up um, and focus was shifting across to the Middle East. And there was a huge difference, though. This, this traditional enemy you could look at, they wore uniforms, they had generals, they, they, were, they, were all, they were kind of mirrors of each other. But this new place, this new theatre of war, didn't. This new hot war was not an enemy of state, but an enemy of ideology. Yep. It wasn't an army, but but tribes and cells. Non-traditional tactics and... You've got it, yeah. And, and the traditional decision-making methods in the British military, in the theatre of war, on the ground, were complex, complicated, time-consuming, and they didn't work in this new world. Mm. And so the British military had a problem. And they needed to, to create agility and decisiveness and focus on the battlefield. And so they stepped back and to solve this problem, they developed a set of seven questions. And they said to their military leaders, if you ask and answer these questions in the theater of war, you will develop the highest value course of action to reach mission objective. And you'll align your team and you'll give yourself the best chance of success. And, and it was transformative to um, leadership in the, in, the, in the theater of war and operations. And it, it did a few things. Um, it was transformative in its simplicity. Any, any emerging leader could learn a small number of questions. 
And, and so it wasn't like you had to go to kind of school for years on end to figure out how you could, you could, you could ask and answer these questions in a, in a, in a team and you could learn them. They were a language that could be embedded in your mind. The, so it was simple. It was easy to learn too. It was, um, it transcended um, hierarchy. You, you, you could have a captain, a commander, a private, a corporal, a sergeant, all asking and answering the same questions at every level of the organization. Kind of flattened out the organization, that, yeah. It did, yeah. Um, and then the third thing was that whilst the questions were simple, they had complexity behind them. They made the complex simple. So you could go, you could go shallow or you could go deep. So you could ask and answer the seven questions hunkered down behind some Humvees in the desert taking fire, or you could be back at HQ asking and answering the questions and developing a much more detailed strategic plan. But it was the same seven questions. And so I was reading about this um, and, and how it was entirely transformative for the, British, for the British military and thought, wow, wouldn't it be awesome um, if you could do that in business? Because I'm a business guy. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a military guy. Uh, my hat's off to anybody that's served. Um, it's not been my, my um, past, but I love that the military is constantly innovating in the area of leadership and management. Why? Because lives are at stake. It's really yeah. important. And so um, when, when I looked at the questions, because um, uh, I was like, oh, let's grab those questions and use them with some businesses. Let's see what happens. And, and really, when you look at, look at the British military's questions, they're designed to blow something up. They're designed to kill an enemy. Um, that's not necessarily the mentality you want to bring into an organization. We need a different type of execution for our execution. <laughs> we don't need to blow things up. We need to build things up. Um, so that started. Hey, sometimes this- you got to blow them up before you build them up, right? <laughs> that's true. I'm, I'm not denying that. There are times when you might need to use the British military seven <laughs> questions, um, but then you'll need to turn in, turn to Waymakers seven questions. And so it started this journey of saying, well, are there a set of questions four, five, six, seven, eight that you could write that could kind of achieve in business what the British military achieved in the theatre of war? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So for, for a few years, that started this journey of literally me with a notepad trying to write a number of questions. Um, and and I'd, I'd write them out and I'd rewrite them. And, and actually, this sounds really sad, but I spent about seven years writing seven questions. And that was, it was just, it, the first round was five, then it turned into six, and then I'm but maybe it's eight. I was doing everything to avoid them being separate questions because I didn't want them to be like the British military. And, um, and, and so um, ultimately um, this set of questions kind of emerged that if you started to ask and answer, um, you would develop the highest value course of action in your business. Um, and, and, and something magical was starting to happen with, with those questions because they were, they helped you, create awareness, just like in the military of what's going on around you. Um, we don't have necessarily enemies, hopefully not, but we, we have competitors and we have yep. substitutes and we have threats. Um, we, we started to, you start to develop clarity of focus of internally, what you should be doing around purpose and vision and ideal customers and strategic positionings. And, um, and then you start to develop um, the highest value course of action through prioritization and, 
every business has 50 or 100 things they could be doing, but the art of strategy is really saying no to the 97 and yes to the one, two or three. And, uh, and so the, the asking and answering the questions was, was a process of, of, of casting your mind out, bringing your mind back in and then choosing to really prioritise. And so we started doing that with clients in our old consulting business. So very manual, just on a, on a whiteboard, bit of paper. But at the same time, um, and I probably didn't realise this because it wasn't intentional at the time, um, but just like the British military, um, when they ask and answer their seven questions, which, by the way, they've institutionalised, and if, if you're a commander in the British military, you'll learn the, the seven questions. I often meet coaches and consultants that we're training and they're ex-military and they're, they're having a little chuckle going, oh, I remember the seven questions. <laughs> um, uh, and, um, and, and, and just like the military, when they're asking and answering those seven questions, they've got some software in their hands. They're using some technology. And the technology is a tool. It's an, an enabler to, to help you ask questions faster, better, smarter than if you were just you with a piece of paper. So that's competitive advantage. So you can just simply ask and answer the seven questions on a piece of paper. Highly encourage it. Pop into a cafe, get yourself a cup of coffee and a donut, sit back and ask yourself the seven questions. You'll create value. But if you use some technology that can help you ask and answer smarter, faster, better, using some cool algorithms and bringing lots of data together, then perhaps you can ask more deeply, more effectively, and together as a team, get better answers. And so we started building this diagnostic tool that, that really we wanted to do in five to 15 minutes what a management consultant might have to do over six weeks. Right. To look at an organisation, understand it, um, talk to lots of different people, look at some of the data, and then go, well, actually, here are the key challenges and here are the key opportunities. And, and normally, if you're going to do that problem, you're going, to, you're going to ring somebody up that's got some domain expertise, that's got, got lots of experience, and you're going to write a check with a few zeros at the end of it. And four or five weeks later, they come back after interviewing lots of people and looking at lots of things and watching lots of things, and they're going to say, look, I think you should be doing one, two, three things. And in their smarts, they'll have nailed it. And that's admirable. That's great. That's nothing wrong with that. We just went, could we figure out how to do that in 15 minutes using some technology and with seven questions? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. But you got to have a test so, market, right? You got to have a test market. So, so for it. about six or seven years, we were doing that. And, and, and um, you know, COVID hit in 2020, mm -hmm. uh, end, of, end of 19, early 20. And our own consulting business, we we're asking the questions of where are we going? What are we doing? And it just sometimes the, 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 the winds blow the way the winds blow. The, the world lets you um, turn a negative into a positive. And we had this opportunity to say, well, I don't think COVID's going away for, for at least a year or two. This, this could be, this isn't the flu. Um, life is not looking good for, for some time. Perhaps now is a good time to kind of hunker down, scale down, sit in the back office for a year or two and build something new. And, um, and so that's kind of what we did, um, quite literally. And um, it, it sounds easy to tell that story, but I can tell you that's, uh, that's a phenomenal tornado of 
disruption. A lot of whiteboarding. A lot of sessions in the whiteboard and a lot of iterations. And we're on we're on version yeah. 47 of the uh, yeah, original idea. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. It's over, over my morning cup of tea and 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 a, and a nice podcast with you, Kevin. It's easy to tell, but the reality is it was a it was a post on for three or four years. And yeah. um uh, and that's kind of what business is. Um, and one of my favorite sayings is one of those old classic, um, I think it was a Zig Ziglar, you know, one of the grandfathers of motivational leadership speaking, where he goes, um, it's not the way the wind blows, but how you set the sails. Mm. And, um, you know, that, that I remember hearing that once in some motivational talk about 20 years ago, and it's just kind of stuck in here. Stuck. Yep. And, and so so really, um, the seven questions are a way of answering and responding to that statement. Um, it's not the way the wind blows, um, but how you set the sails. And and that's that's just kind of what, you know, you imagine a small company of men um, in, in the desert trying to fight a war where they can't see a soldier, where they can't, you know, it's this new world. Um, you've got you've to you've play differently. You've got you to figure out how to win, but you just, you're not playing the game you used to play. And, and the business world has gone through that same experience over the last 20 years. Mm, for we've, sure. We've seen, for sure. We've seen digital transform the way we work. You know, Kevin, for you and I to do this 10, 15 years ago, yeah. um, I, I'd, be in, um, I'd be in Vermont, Virginia. Um, we'd be in, you know, we'd be in a studio somewhere. Um, we'd have to be, uh, yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, you know, the world's had digital disruption, it's had financial disruption, it's had geopolitical disruption, um, and we've had health and medical disruption. And, yeah. and that's just the big rocks. Um, uh, so, you know, the world in organisational leadership and management has changed. The 21st century is, is a new world and a new way of working. And we can't, we can't use the same tactics as the, 20th, as the 20th century, but we must learn how to take the same effective principles and pick them up and drop them into the 21st century so that we don't forget how to be great leaders and great managers but some of the tactics are going to change and and absolutely. so that's where we live that is that is absolutely true and and i, I like the way you kind of it, it's you know there are big rocks of change but there are uh, undercurrents of change that are happening all the time that is kind of this world whole world speeding up you know type thing but i'm curious to uh to ask you that so Obviously, you've transitioned into, you know, from kind of the corporate to the consultant to now, now I'm running my own shop here. So what's the, what are some lessons that you've learned that, you know, are not quantifiable in, in your Waymaker tool that are just like, okay, I, I wish I'd have known these, these one or two things when I, when I started on my own, it would have, it would have made so much difference, you know, in how I led the team or how I, you know, I, it cost me $50,000 for this mistake <laughs> that I, you know, it's a hard lesson to learn, but what are, what are one or two kind of universals that, that, uh, you know, you would share with somebody that's just maybe further behind you in the journey? Yeah, that, that's a, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I can think of two and maybe a third and we'll see, we'll see where we land. Um, I think, um, you know, the, the first one, um, um, first one's a real simple one um and it's a mindset one it's i wasn't a natural i'm still not a natural sales guy um uh i'm, I'm a i'm a, I'm a thinker and a creator and a, um 
once I'm in a room, I love it. But pitching and winning work um, was actually not a natural skill. Um, and so when I left corporate, one of the things you have in corporate is, is bank balances. Um, and bank balances bring the capacity to pick up phones and ring people and say, I need you to do this. Um, and you can look like a good leader and a manager, um, but you're not really the money's doing the work. Um, you're just the person trying to place the money in the most effective way. Um, when you step out of that world and you go, gosh, um, I've now, I'm just a guy with a laptop. Um, I've got to go and eat what I kill. Um, to use that language, I know there's great hunting grounds around. We're going way. for military uh, tactics. To hunting. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm really not that sort of guy. Um, uh, um, but you do have to go, my goodness, I've got to learn to hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got to have some, some basic faith and belief and confidence to go, I can win. Um, and, um, and a lot of corporate, I don't like using the word corporate, a lot of people that haven't grown up learning how to hunt, kill and eat what you, eat what you kill, if I can use that language, um, they're not comfortable doing that. Um, and that's actually a skill to learn. And that was actually the biggest thing that hit me in the face going, oh my goodness, um, I know how to spend a million dollars with an ad agency or, you know, put a conference on or, um, you know, build a sales conference, but man, oh man, like um, how do I go out now and sell myself or sell my product or pitch mm. and win? Yeah. And, and to be honest, um, that was a confronting moment to learn um, and a moment where you kind of, it, it was a mindset really. And, and all of these are kind of mindset things um, to step back and go, okay, um, you got to figure out what value you bring you got to have confidence in who you are and the, and the problems you solve. And, and you know what? You've actually just got to get out there and start swinging. Um, uh, you can't sit and wait for the deer to come to you. Um, you got to go out, get out there and walk. Um, and, and so I, I, I just had this mindset in the early days. And, and even in, in these days in startup life, you've got to have the same. Of, of, some people call it hustle but it's more than hustle. It's, it's focused and deliberate, confident um, pitching of your product or your service or yourself to go and win. And, 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 and that's actually a really hard thing to get in your mind and in your heart because if you're a coach or a consultant or, or um, somebody that's selling a service that you do, not necessarily a product you might do, um, Often rejection feels like personal rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, asked you, you know, you, no, we don't, we don't want to hire you. Oh, man, those people, I really like that company. Why didn't they want me? What's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. Um, and and that they're just all the wrong thoughts to have. Um, uh, and and the the click that you've got to you've got to move from that state of mind to the right state of mind is to get really clear on the problem you're solving, and. And, and to be able to articulate how you solve that problem better than anybody else, whether it be through you, your solution or your product. Yeah. And, and once you kind of figure that out, um, which sounds simple sometimes um, when you say it, um, but when you're out there in the heat of battle trying to, trying to pitch and win, um, it completely reframes the conversation. 
It's not about you. It's not about them. It's about the problem they're facing and the value you bring by solving that problem and how their life is better because you've solved it. And, and when you can communicate that and articulate that, suddenly you're like, where'd all this business come from? Um, well, because you're actually helping people. You're solving their problems. You know, they're not buying you because you're great. They're buying you or your product or your service because it solves the problem for them. And, and so you've got to take you out of the equation and you've got to put the problem back into the equation. And then you've got to figure out how to solve that problem better than anybody else. And when you do that, you take the ego away, you take the pride away, you take all those emotions out of the way and you just get down to business. Does that, does that make sense? And if, if, the, if our listeners will just go back and hit rewind and listen to this like last four minutes or so of this little mini masterclass we just had right there, th this could be life-changing. It could literally change the course of, of what they're doing. And um, I mean, I can see that this is also born out of experience, you know, kind of the <laughs> yeah. school of hard knocks, the, you know, the, the I, I had to learn this intrinsically or you know this is not something i read in a book this is something i literally had to live out for about 10 years and and i've yeah. got the battle yeah. scars to prove that that uh that what i said is true you know i've, I've yeah. seen i've seen the hard part of the journey and i've seen the, the you know kind of the cross the the victory line too yeah yeah well let, let me now um give you almost the let's fast forward a few years um and then i'll give you the next big lesson um because these lessons aren't in textbooks um the you will start to have some success and you'll start to build a business and you'll start to feel feel pretty damn good about yourself um uh and you're going to start to think that that business is because of you mm. and um and and you get and something interesting is going to happen um unless well the thing that's interesting that's going to happen is that your identity, who you are, is going to become intrinsically defined by how successful you're becoming. And, and you won't realise it. Um, you'll just live it and love it. It'll be like, uh, we just won that deal. How good am I? How good are us? How good are we? Um, and things are going to get pretty good, like real good, nice good like seat A1 in first class, good to LA kind of yep. good. Um, yep. And and that feels good, ha having the champagne served and um, all the wonderful things and trappings of, of success. Um, and then something will happen that will blow your world apart, either because of you or because of something, one of those disruptions we talked about before. And, and you're going to wake up one day going, oh, my goodness. Um, what happened um this business isn't working the way i thought it would work and and i don't care who you are um you will one day face that um i was i was actually talking with a with a vc guy the other day we we're out to lunch and i won't mention names but he told a story of after three years of building an amazing fund as a as a fairly young man and just hitting massive numbers year on year on year and, and a crisis happened and at five minutes around midnight one night he lost 95 percent of that fund um, wow now um I, I, had, I had a similar experience not kind of as extravagant as that but a moment where i'm like oh man like this business isn't working the way i thought it would be working and 
And because I had let my identity and the identity of the business get intrinsically entwined, which happens so often with founder-led businesses, um, as the business failed, I thought I was failing. And when you let that happen to you from a mindset perspective, you are just on a slippery slope of disaster. And, and it wasn't until somebody kind of, kind of like brutally confronted me, a great mentor and an advisor to me and went, Stu, until you can separate your own identity from the business you run, then you will have no hope of actually doing the effective leadership and management required on this business. You need to separate because you are not defined by the business. The business may have been defined by you and you may have extended some of your character into it, but it doesn't go two ways. You have to step back and redefine your own sense of identity and confidence and character and purpose. And the business is a business. It's a, it's a thing. It's an yep. entity. Yeah. Um, and so, so many factors out of your control. hundred percent. Yeah. Mean, and always will be. Yeah. You know, um, you pick any famous successful business person. They're not great people because of their business. They've just built a great business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right time, right place. Uh, so many factors had to fall into place that uh, yeah, know, Steve Jobs not was charged, that so many exactly. things had to, had to happen that this couldn't have exactly. happened in 1973. You know, this, this had to happen in the 90s or whatever it was. So yeah, and it's, yes, yeah. what they've done has been amazing. What they've done with other people and what other people have done and the, and the, and the situation, but that doesn't define who they are. Yeah, Steve Jobs was still a father and a husband and. A, and a friend, you know, that was, that was, now we're getting closer to the who you are, um, you know, and, and, and we out there in, in world land go Steve Jobs equals Apple, Apple equals Steve Jobs, because we're, we're doing that with just simplistic thinking. But when you let that thinking into your mind as a, as a leader and founder and a manager, it's dangerous. Um, it's horribly dangerous. And, you know, there's all this stuff that we use in business like social media and, thought leadership and positioning and books and podcasts that are all designed to kind of beef you up a little bit and make mm-hmm. you kind of sound good, but you've kind of got to step back from it and go, no, 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 no. That's actually not who I am. Who I am is actually, in fact, somebody said the other day, the best character of who you are is what you do when you're alone. And that's mm-hmm. actually going to come out and drive, you know, who you are and who you need to be when you're with others. And, and so when the bad times hit, when you need to reset those sales, you, you cannot have found your, your, self-worth and identity in in the entity of what you're working on and and if you have then you've actually got no hope of resetting the sails because you have to be the captain of the ship you cannot be the ship mm-hmm. and that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah I'd, and I, you've covered the full gamut you know that kind of the start and and how do you are you finishing well or are you continuing well you know yeah. in this in this whole process and it it is uh it is a great story. I mean, it's uh, because it, it's this is much broader and much bigger than Waymaker. I mean, we've talked about Waymaker. We've talked about the tool. We talked about the the benefits of. We talked about so much more, the breadth yeah. and depth of of just what it's like the you know a founder's life and and what yeah. are some really good good life lessons to learn. And man, as we as we wrap up today, is there anything that we just haven't touched on that you just want to close us out with, and then tell people where the best place to find you online? Yeah, I mean, best place to find me, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm probably in other places like 
you know, the, the other socials, but to be honest, um, I'm a terrible social guy. Um, uh, I, I'm only good in LinkedIn and even then I'm not if I'm that good, but connect with me on LinkedIn. I'll actually respond if you do it there. Um, follow Waymaker. Um, you'll find, find uh, Waymaker on LinkedIn and YouTube. Um, uh, oh, and by the way, we, we offer a 30 day free trial if you want to use Waymaker. So if you're wondering, oh gosh, could, should, should I pull my team together? Um, let's, let's take the, the business diagnostic. I haven't really talked about what, what that is, but do it, have fun with it. If, if you get one good thing out of it, then, hey, it hasn't cost you a thing, just some time and, and you've got somewhere to go. So search me on LinkedIn, um, uh, connect with me, jump onto our free trial at waymaker.io. They're the best places to go. And is there a demo of, of the software? Yeah, yeah you can... Um, hit waymaker.io there's a there's a two minute demo and then i think you can register watch a, a 27 minute demo so um you can get a full overview and download and and if you're a coach or a consultant then um check out our partner program where um we provide the, the software the, the toolkits the playbooks and the stuff you need to work with clients to to create the, the shift using those seven questions that i talked about um, and, and helping organizations build clarity, alignment, and consistent results. Well, Stuart, I, I really appreciate you taking time tonight. And once again, thanks for, for your persistence in uh, allowing us to start a little late today. And, um, and you know, thankfully, my Wi-Fi actually came back at just the right time. But uh, Stuart, I really enjoyed just the journey through your story and, and just kind of hearing the, 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 all of the peripheral, peripheral around the idea of what it's like and you know on the day in the life of a founder you know that you kind of walked us through and just really sharing your heart and and just helping all boats rise in a rising tide Stuart, have a yep. great evening my pleasure thank you for having me another episode in the books we hope you heard some great takeaways don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on itunes and youtube as always thanks for listening to rising tide